all things change. To not change is to wither and die. Change is built into the order of things. Just as an acorn has the potential to grow into a mighty oak, we too have the potential to change and grow. And so it is true with relationships as well. Who the couple was when they first meet is not who they are going to be after they're married, nor after having kids, nor into retirement age. Change and growth in couples occurs when both partners are willing to adapt, learn, and change alongside each other. Couples' growth is not always smooth, and it's not always a linear process. In fact, it often involves periods of conflict, uncertainty, and even stagnation. However, these challenges can also propel couples towards growth, providing opportunities for partners to learn from each other and to strengthen their relationship. Today, we're going to talk about three different ways couples grow together. Let's get started. Welcome to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast that provides support and guidance to help heal the wounds of attachment trauma. Whether you find yourself struggling with unresolved issues in the past or have experienced trauma in your current relationship, our goal is to provide accurate, scientifically informed information, as well as the tools to help you create a secure connection between you and your partner. And here's your host, Tom Philp. Okay, today we're going to talk about three ways couples grow together. These aren't simple bullet points, so to speak. These are actually processes that couples go through that create change. And so the first one we're going to talk about is staying attuned to one another. And when a couple stays attuned to one another, it sets the expectation that they're being there for one another through good, through bad, through ups, through downs, through whatever emotions the partner is exhibiting at the time. Staying attuned to your partner's emotions is letting them know that there's nothing that you can't tolerate for them. There's nothing that would push you away that would cause them to reject or withdraw from you. So staying attuned is vital in a relationship, and it is one of the ways that couples grow together. Now, this particular way of growing together, it is slow, and it's gradual, and it's powered by repetition. So the more couples are attuned to one another, the more that they build up a sense of resilience, that they are able to conquer life's challenges together. The second way couples grow together is they work through intense emotional experiences together. So an intense emotional experience sets the expectation that the couple can work through difficult times and they can get through them together. And so in the life of a couple, there are times, maybe job losses, death of family members, that cause strong emotions to emerge in the relationship or in one of the partners. And when the couple's able to work through those intense emotional experiences together, they really send a signal to one another that yes, there are hard times, but we can cling to each other during difficulties and we can get through them hand in hand. And so this type of change, working through intense emotional experiences, unlike staying attuned, which is is through slow, gradual change and repetition. This is change 
through the power of intensity, not duration. So it's the intense moment. Maybe it's a trauma that's beset the couple, but it's the intensity of that that actually causes the couple to change. And then the third way we're going to discuss today is repairing ruptures. Repairing ruptures teaches the couple how to understand their triggers and vulnerabilities. And change this way is powered by couples learning how to repair in order to gain a deeper understanding of each other and a deeper connection. So change is powered through coming back together, having a deeper understanding of what caused the rupture in the first place, and being able to integrate that information into the life of the couple as a whole so that they can then grow together and adapt together based on that new information. So those are the three ways that we're going to talk about today that demonstrate how couples grow together. So let's dig in. Let's talk about the first one, staying attuned. Staying attuned, as I said, sets the expectation that you are there for your partner. It sets the expectation that there's nothing that emotionally they can do that is going to drive you away, that you can tolerate their full range of emotions. And so, as I said, this type of change is powered slowly, gradually, and through repetition. And by attuning, I simply mean that when we attune, that we're able to track our partner's emotions so that we are emotionally available, responsive, and engaged to whatever's going on with our partner. So attuning to your partner uh, feels, feels attuning to them, not necessarily to you. So it's really a very subjective thing. What might feel attuning to you in that moment may not feel attuning to them, but being attuned allows you to make adjustments so that you are showing up for them in the way that they need, not necessarily the way you like. Let me give you an example. When I'm angry, um, the last thing I want is to be hugged. Uh, I don't know why. I, I'm, and my wife, bless her heart, she wants to hug me. She wants to soothe me in that moment. But that is anything but soothing to me. So when she wants to give me a hug, it does not calm me down. It does not soothe me. It's not comforting. What I really need from her is the validation. I need the words to say, yes, I understand why you're upset. Yes, that would make me angry too. That is actually more of a soothing, validating calming, uh, attuned approach for me than trying to give me a hug. Not true with her. When she's upset, she likes hugs. She likes it when I wrap my arms around her and I might give her a big old bear hug. When I rub her back a little bit, that makes her feel more calm. So when we talk about attuning to our partner, I do think it's important for us to keep in mind that attunement is often the way our partner wants to receive it and need it in that moment, not necessarily the way we always want to give it. I think another great example is when your partner has come home and had a hard day and they're venting to you about 
work issues, whatever it might be. And you might go into problem-solving mode. And maybe you're even doing this from a place of care and concern. You don't like it when your partner's upset. It makes you upset as well. You want to help them by helping solve their problem. And so you want launch into an array of problem-solving suggestions only to find that it might actually escalate an argument. Because in that moment, your partner is not needing you to solve their problems. They're just needing you to validate and empathize with their struggle, with their frustration. And so that's another example of how we tune to our partners. And it's based on what they need, not necessarily on what we think they need in the moment. So again, and, and I think this bears repeating over and over and over Attuning is being able to track your partner's emotions so that you are able to be emotionally available, responsive, and engaged to where they are in the moment. I like the way that sounds. Let me say that one more time. Attuning to your partner is your ability to be able to track your partner's emotions so that you are able to stay emotionally available responsive and engaged to what they need in the moment. That's attunement. And when that is repeated over and over and over by both partners in the relationship, then what happens is we teach each other that, hey, we can get through hard things together. We are there for each other. And when I need my partner, I can trust that they're going to show up because they show up in the little ways. They show up in my little frustrations. They show up in my little little uh, bursts of anger sometimes. They show up in my sadness when I'm, when I'm sad over something little. And because they show up over these little emotions, I have faith and I believe that they're also going to show up in the big emotions as well. To me, a tuning is, is a lot like an instrument. Now, I play the guitar. I like to play jazz guitar. And one of the first things I do when I sit down to play the guitar is I have to tune it. And I have to tune it because, one, I have to be able to calibrate that instrument so that it's, it's calibrated to itself. And then, secondly, I have to be able to calibrate it so that I'm calibrating it when I'm playing with others. And so there's, there's a process there that happens that I have to be in tune in order for, one, my own instrument to sound good, but then I've got to be in tune, and I've got to, to be tuned to others, other players in, in the band, because that way we're all on the same page, and we're all playing off the same script, so to speak. So being attuned to your partner is, is as much about you trying to understand and regulate your own emotions as it is about you trying to track your partner's emotions. Because when that happens, then you have that ability, just like when we play an instrument with, with other players, you've got that ability to be able to be in tune because you're fine-tuning your own instrument, but then you're also collectively tuning things together. And so you have the potential to sound amazing together and to be amazing together when you can sort of attune your own instrument and, and be in tune with your partner. Um, 
I also think about this from even clinical examples. Um, one of the things um, that that happens oftentimes is I've got to be able to be attuned to the couples that are coming in. And one of the challenges of working with couples is I don't just have one person I'm trying to attune to, but I've got two people that I constantly have to fluctuate back and forth. What What is attuning to this partner in one moment may be a misattunement to the other partner. So let me give you an example. I was working with a couple a while back, and we were working through an affair situation, which is very common. And at the end, they were sad, and they were upset, and they had every right to be. And the partner that had had the affair was incredibly regretful, uh, very um, uh, apologetic, uh, but there was just a lot of sadness still in the room. So they were doing everything right, but it was just a sad moment. And sort of towards the end of the session, I was trying to interject some hope for them. And I said something to the extent that, you know, right now this is a really difficult time in in your lives and in your relationships in particular. And And you've written a story up to this point, but this doesn't have to be the end of the story. And, and the look I got, especially from the one of the partners, was sort of, I could just tell immediately that that was such an unattuned thing to say in that moment. They just needed me to join them in the sadness. They didn't need me to try to make it better or to try to inject a little bit of hope or to try to give them any inspiration. They just needed me to sit there. And when I recognized that, when I got that look from that, that partner, I immediately backtracked and I said, you know what, that was really not very attuned to me. I apologize. This is just a sad moment, and it's okay to be sad, and we can all just sit in this sadness. And that was a way that I was able to fix it. That was a much more attuned response for them uh, that they needed in that moment. So to recap, one of the ways couples change is through attunement. And by attunement, you're tracking your partner's emotions, And you're trying to figure out where they are so that you can be emotionally available and responsive and engaged to what they need in the moment. This also means oftentimes you have to be attuned to your own emotions in the moment. Because if you're in a different place than they are, then sometimes it can be very difficult to stay attuned to your partner. So much like being able to tune your instrument tune your own guitar in this particular case in order to then blend with the other musicians, which I think this is just a great little example. um, You've got to be able to attune to yourself. What feelings are coming up for you in that moment that might make you misattuned? Are you seeing your partner sad and it's difficult for you to handle sadness? So you just want to fix it for your partner. You want to make sure that they get out of their sadness because it makes you feel better. If so, then that's likely going to cause a misattunement between you and your partner. But when the couple has the capabilities to attune to each other through the full range of emotions that are required to get through life together, then it sends a very strong signal that you can show up for each other for the big things that happen, not just the little things.
Okay. The second way that couples grow together is they work through intense emotional experiences together. And as I mentioned in the prologue, these intense emotional experiences set the expectation that the couple can work through hard times together. And change is actually powered by intensity, not duration. So think about it this way. If you're lighting a fire and you throw a log on the fire, that log is going to burn. But a log burns much brighter when you put another log on the fire. So when you join two logs together, it can generate more heat. And so it is true with couples as well. Your bond can actually deepen by facing challenges together. By, by You can generate more heat and more flame and more fire when you face those challenges together. And so... One example, I think, is oftentimes, and I've mentioned this before, uh, there might be an affair in the relationship. And I work with a lot of affairs. And one of the things I can often see is if it doesn't break the couple initially, meaning if one of the partners, uh, when it's discovered, the affair is discovered, um, are done. And and there's just no coming back from that for the partners. And sometimes they don't know right away. Sometimes it takes them a while. Sometimes sometimes there's just hurts that are too big. The, The person can't get over it. But there's often times where the couple is able to get past it and they desire to get past it. And so what happens is um, affairs can often wake the couple up to what was happening in the relationship prior to the affair. So this is often the case where things weren't quite right. And and let me take a moment here. I'm not excusing any behaviors um, that occur. I'm not excusing an affair. I'm not trying to suggest that it's okay because there were issues in the relationship. The person chose it. It was wrong, period, end of statement. But once you get past the intense emotional experience of it, it can really wake up a couple and help them understand what was going on uh, in the life of the relationship, what cycles they were caught up in that were dominating the relationship prior to the affair. So sometimes intense emotional experiences can sort of be a shot across the bow of the relationship, so to speak. And it can pull couples, and especially individuals, out of certain mindsets that they had. Uh, in, in this particular example, uh, I'm thinking about one partner really felt like the other partner did not care for them at all. And what they came to realize after the affair was that they had this mindset, and it was wrong. And so it woke them up. It pulled them out of their malaise. And, and oftentimes that can be a very uh, challenging time in the life of the couple, but it can also be a very fruitful and engaging and reflective and humbling time for a couple as well because they can, they can now look at their relationship through a new lens and they can begin to do the work that maybe they have avoided or put off or didn't even see prior to an affair. So an intense emotional experience can actually be a really great way for a couple to to learn and grow together and come together and actually even be stronger 
than they were before. Now, oftentimes, um, an intense emotional experience can involve trauma. And so when, when I'm working with a couple that has had a very intense emotional experience, oftentimes we have to treat the trauma reaction first before we can peel back some of the layers of what was going on in the relationship prior to the experience, to the affair, or whatever the intense experience was. So there's certain ways you have to deal with that, but trauma can be a huge block to being able to get through those intense emotional experiences together. So in no way am I trying to make light of what's happening for couples uh, in these intense emotional moments. It could be the death of a parent, as I said. It could be an affair. Uh, it could be a lot of different things that the couple is confronted with and has to deal with that brings up very strong emotions with them. And so by learning to work through that together, they really learn how to fight those challenges side by side, even, even if in moments they don't feel supported by their partner, even if in moments standing next to each other feels like the last place they want to be, not giving up that fight, joining those two logs in order to create more heat and more flame that produces more, more uh, uh, resiliency in the face of those challenges is one of the ways couples absolutely grow together. The final and third way that couples grow together is through repairing ruptures. Now, as I said, repairing ruptures teaches the couples how to understand their triggers and their vulnerabilities. And change is powered by the couple learning how to repair ruptures that happen and gain a deeper understanding of each other and gain a deeper connection. And this comes straight out of the rupture repair cycle, which is common for all couples to go through. So essentially the rupture repair cycles where the couple's in connection, then there's some kind of rupture that happens, a misattunement, a strong emotional experience, as I talked about the other two ways uh, of changing and growing, or just a simple misunderstanding but the, the connection is somehow broken. And then the couple has to learn how to come back and repair. And what I see so often is that couples struggle with the repair portion of it. They, they can get connected. They have an equilibrium where they feel things are okay in the relationship and they can get along. And they know where that equilibrium is. And after days or, or hours, they can, they can regain that equilibrium, but they never fully come back to discuss the rupture and what happened. So often what they do is they sweep it under the rug. And as I said, they, they can go back to living their day-to-day -day lives together. They go back to talking, coordinating activities, uh, coordinating with the kids, whatever it is they need to be doing, but they never really learn what that rupture was about. They never learn the different perspectives and the feelings behind it for each other. And so they never fully really repair that, that rupture. And so repairing ruptures is absolutely crucial for couples to grow. And these don't have to be, as, as I said, big ruptures. They don't have to be huge, intense emotional experiences. They can be s small things. Small misattunements, small misunderstandings, small little moments where one person gets triggered and uses a tone, 
But by being able to come back and repair and talk about that, it is vital for the couple to be able to gain a deeper understanding of each other. So, you know, if you think about like a, a, a vase that gets broken, a vase that might fall and crack or get broken, you can put that vase back together. You can mend the cracks in that vase and you can repair the cracks so that that, that vase can be usable again. It can still have a purpose. And repairing the rupture is, is a lot like that in a relationship. It's repairing the cracks in ourselves, repairing the cracks in our relationship so that we can put things back together. And in some ways, we are better than new. We're better than new, not because we are unvarnished. There's no scrapes. There's no cracks. We are like brand new, but we're better than new because we actually can show the wear and the tear of the use of the vase and the use of this relationship, that we've been through some things together. We've lived some lives together. We know what it takes to hold this thing together, not because we are crack-free, but rather because we have repaired those cracks and we are still whole. So I, I think about repairing ruptures a little bit like that. I, another example might be like a gardener that will take uh, and graft two branches into a single stem. Um, that way that they, add, they can actually create a stronger bond by bridging the gaps between the two. So a gardener oftentimes will take a, a stem and graft it onto another branch so that that then will heal and that branch will grow bigger than it would have without the grafting of that single stem. So a couple of different examples there of, of why it's so important to repair ruptures. And oftentimes in repairing the ruptures, it's the ability to be able to reflect and understand what the triggers were, what the meanings behind those triggers were, and why your partner and you responded the way they did. Oftentimes when I'm working with couples, just as a way of a clinical example here, they will gain new information. They will have a new understanding. When we dig down and we really start to explore what happened, what was the trigger, what were you feeling, what did that mean to you when she used that tone of voice? Well, it meant she was talking down to me, and once again, I was a child. And, and so when you start to uncover and explore those deeper meanings behind the triggers and behind the feelings, then you can really clarify the difference between the way you hear and interpret your partner versus your partner's intentions behind what they were really saying or meaning. And so that's in part why those ruptures are, and repairing those ruptures are so important because it can clarify, you can get clarity out of what happened through that misattunement or through that rupture in the relationship. And you can, instead of staying in the, and waiting in the negativity over it, you can actually create something positive out of it. And so repairing ruptures is the third way that couples really learn to grow together. And it's absolutely vital for the couple to be able to sort of understand at a deeper level what happened, what the misattunement was about, in order to continue to grow together. And there's, there's a significant amount of research that shows that when couples learn to repair, 
it's actually sort of washed out of their body. It's washed out of their system. And, and what I mean by this is couples that repair, oftentimes then they don't hold on to the negativity of what the original rupture was even about. So oftentimes I'll have couples that have been in treatment for a while and they're doing great and they're really changing their cycles and they'll come in and they'll say, well, there was, there was something that happened this week, but I, the heck if I know what it was about. And so they can't even remember. They kind of remember there might've been a little disagreement, but you know what? We worked through it. We talked about it. We came to an understanding. We found a way to solve the problem. And heck, I don't even really remember what it was about anymore. And so that's a great sign that couples that know how to repair ruptures don't even recall the negativity nor the content of what what ruptures were about in the first place. And that's because as a couple, you guys have learned to be able to repair those so that they are just washed out of the system. They're washed out of the body, and it's not something you hang on to as well. So those are three different ways that couples learn to grow together. And one thing you might notice is this is not sort of a list of, of, of skills that couples do to each other or with each other to grow together, that this list is actually processes. These are things couples go through. If you've been together long enough with your partner, you're going to have misattunements, you're going to have ruptures, and you're going to have strong emotional experiences together. But it's through these three different processes that couples can learn to really grow and change together. As individuals, we are constantly evolving, and our relationships must adapt to this growth. In order for couples to thrive, they must embrace change and find ways to foster personal and shared growth. Change can be a daunting prospect, but it's also an opportunity for couples to deepen their connection and discover new aspects of themselves and each other. By embracing change, couples can create a relationship that's dynamic and ever-evolving. Hey, change is inevitable, but it does not have to be destructive. By embracing change and fostering personal and shared growth, couples can create relationships that are strong, resilient, and enduring. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast for the healing of attachment trauma. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website at traumafreerelationship.com. Be sure to look for our next episode on your favorite streaming service.